Jeff, are you really a dad that loves frogs? <laughs> no, damn, it's I love damn, frogs. damn, I love frogs. Uh, for everyone out there, Jeff's wearing a shirt that in huge white letters says DILF. And it says, damn, I love frogs on it. And I really like it. I'm a little <laughs> jealous of it, to be yeah. honest. That's our opening for the day. That's our opening. Tooth yep. and Claw podcast. Featured on Forbes magazine. Uh, yeah. Because we're billionaires. That's crazy, huh? If you would have told me like two years ago we were going to be featured on Forbes, I would have been like, I guess solar sales isn't lying about how much money I'm going to make this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Or just, I'd if you said for tooth and claw, I'd be like, one of us is going like a really different direction here in the next two years. Like, I don't even know what Forbes. Yeah. Does why? Anymore. Why is Forbes talking about us? Yeah. But whatever, it's cool. Sure. I Thanks, remember Forbes. when I was like nineteen, I got roped into one of those solar sales. No, I don't think it was like pest control, not solar sales. Um, mm-hmm. But they promised the most exorbitant amount of money they're like oh. well and then you'll like, make twenty dollars this first summer but on the back end yeah. on the back they always said back end and it's like billions of dollars one out of like the hundred people that do it will like get there so then right. it's like look we're not lying like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. person who like scammed a bunch tricks of old people. everyone <laughs> yeah. i think I, I went out and tried solar sales for like a day once oh, and gosh. i remember just being like unable to sell like people would people would be like yeah i don't know if i really need it i'd be like yeah i don't know if you do either (laughs) you could probably find it cheaper somewhere else solar does help the environment and save people money so anyone doing it out there like keep it up hope you're making money i think i just meant more like i didn't know if they needed to buy it from me where i was making like a commission and they were paying more than they needed to but Mm. anyway Uh, with the Forbes thing, is that because we won the Signals Award thing? I have no idea. I like so the Signal Award. Thanks to everyone who voted for us. Yeah, That's thanks. another thing where it's just we like we did win that. I've never heard of this before. I don't know what this is, but it's cool. Signal Awards are new, but they're like kind of okay. like a, a big up and coming podcast award. So oh, I was all excited for that. the trophy, and then they're like, "You have to pay us two hundred dollars for yes. this trophy." <laughs> it's like, uh, I guess, yeah, guess we're not. I doing guess that. that's how they make their money. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, do people do do actors have to pay if they win the Oscar? It's, you have to buy your like Oscar. twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I know. doubt it. <laughs> yeah, you know what was cool about that is they so they had like a jury or judged awards, and then they also had like audience awards and we won the audience award and you know that's cool because we got a great audience by a landslide by a landslide didn't yeah, we, we win both or did we just win audience? no we weren't in the other category we weren't judged by their uh, i see yeah yeah, yeah. but you know maybe mm. someday i don't yeah. care i'd rather win the audience one yeah it's like the grassroots award we don't yeah. need some hoity-toity exactly. judge to tell us our self-worth we don't need forbes all we need yeah. is our people <laughs> um so me and Jeff just we just got done helping out at the Sundance Film Festival. Jeff, yeah. you got to Ooh. see a movie about your favorite athlete ever. Yeah, a Steph Curry documentary. Yeah, it's cool. Be I like, that was a thing. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's like about his time at Davidson, mm. and like 
it is really cool. It's like no one thought I'd be good, and then I kind of took off in Davidson. And you kind of just need to ignore that his dad was a professional NBA player for 15 <laughs> years to like really buy into how much of an underdog he was. But sure. it was cool. I liked it a lot. One yeah. thing he did not have going in his favor, though, at Davidson, you see pictures of him, and he legitimately looks like a 12-year-old. A it's like, this That's person cannot play NCAA Like, even basketball. his dad didn't think he could, like, make it. You know? <laughs> right. He still kind of looks like a child. <laughs> and now, yeah. like, I mean, I think he's the best player ever. But. I was there when Jeff kind of <laughs> learned that he was going to be there and that he had a movie. And you, for a minute, you weren't sure you were going to go, and I was like, you got to go to this. And for me, yeah. it's kind of like... It'd be like if they had a movie about the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Like, I would have to go to that. And the T-Rex yeah. is at Sundance. <laughs> what, a, what a comparison yeah. Well, there. Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of anyone else that I really idolize. Um, Steve Irwin comes back from the dead, maybe? Yeah, that'd be a good one. Or David Attenborough. Yeah. Anyways, we had a good time. I saw a lot of really good horror movies that I loved. There's one called Talk to Me. Keep your eye out for it. It's going to be a big movie. Nice. I will. Well, we should get into this. We we owe everyone a news episode. It's been a minute since we've done one. I think we were su- maybe supposed to do one last week, and we didn't, or two weeks ago. So, sorry. You know, we do what we like around here, though. We've been in Forbes. <laughs> I just got back from Kansas City. Yeah, Jeff went to a football game. He'd- My first NFL game ever. It's fun. Yeah. It's cool. Cool city, yeah. anyone out there. Harambe's soul has to stay in Cincinnati one more year until they can win a Super Bowl. <laughs> He's trapped. <laughs> All right. Well, should we get into the old podcast? Let's do it. All right. Yes, please. You know, I'll go first. I'll just do it. I'll start this off. All right. So we got sent one a lot right at the beginning, like right after we did our last news episode. And I feel like this happens every time we do a news <laughs> roundup. Like, the day after, there's a huge story that everyone sends us a million times. So tomorrow, um, watch out. Yeah, watch out. Be careful <laughs> Stay indoors. if you're out doing stuff. So the one that got sent to us a lot at the beginning of December was a hippo that swallowed a two-year-old boy in Uganda. So just think back to early December. So they're eating meat now. Yep, you're getting excited. Ooh, it's funny you bring that up, because I got an interesting paper for you. Uh, mm-hmm. They're... You know, you're getting excited for Christmas season and you read the news and you read this crazy story. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it. On December 4th, two-year-old Iga Paul was playing near his home in Uganda near Lake Edward, which is a really large lake in Uganda. It's home to both hippos and Nile crocodiles. And there's actually a pretty big history of deaths from crocodiles in this lake. In 2019, there was a spate of like three months where 15 people were killed by crocodiles uh, in Lake Edward in just three months. So it's not necessarily a really safe lake to be around or to be... You got to be cautious around this lake is what I'm trying to say. So as a result, people that live in these communities near Lake Edward, it's almost certain that if you're a kid that's growing up in that area, you're going to be warned about the dangers that the lake presents. And I'm sure that this little two-year-old boy, even though he's really young, Igapal, I'm sure he'd been cautioned about staying, you know, away from the lake and not getting too close to the water. But on December 4th, he was a long way away. Paul was at his house, which is 800 meters away from this lake, which is almost exactly half a mile. So that's a pretty good distance away from the lake. Like my house is more than half a mile from the river. And I never even really think about the river being there because it's so far away. 
Um, yeah, and you especially don't think about crocodiles because right. they're even further they're not, away. Yeah, for me, they're really far away. Um, yeah. All right. Hopefully. So on December 4th, a large hippo wandered out of the lake, and it actually grabbed Ego while he was playing in front of his house a half a mile away from the lake, and it swallowed half of his body. So one of his neighbors, whose name was Crispus... What half? Well, I'm the top half, so his legs were okay. just sticking out. That's where yeah, I'd yeah. want to go yeah. if I... Was. Yeah. <laughs> so Crispus Bagonza, which is a great name, uh, was a neighbor that had witnessed the attack, and when the hippo swallowed or tried to swallow Iga, he started throwing rocks at it, and stoning this hippo seemed to be enough to discourage it. It spat Iga out, and it hastily returned back to the lake in the safety of the water. Uh, Ego was taken to the hospital. He was treated for minor wounds and given a rabies vaccine as a precaution. So I think he was small enough that he fit right in between those huge canines that they had. Oh, yeah. So I don't think he really got too messed up. And then I, I want to talk a bit about it and why he survived this and why the hippo was out there. So police say this is the first time that a hippo has traveled this far in from the lake and attacked a person. There was one article that I read that said it was in April and they just didn't report it until now. I don't think that's true. I think that's someone that doesn't realize the rest of the world does dates differently than us. Uh, so like okay. yeah. where the we backwards. start, we go yeah. day, month, year. They all go month, day, year. So it looks like it's... No, they different. go day, oh, month, oh, Sorry, year. they go day, month, year. Yeah. yeah. So they thought it was April, but really it was December 4th. Anyway, so hippos are found in the water, but we've talked about this in some of our hippo episodes. They're in the water, but they usually come out at night or when it's dark to feed. And they'll come out and they'll graze these short grasses and whatnot near the lake or near the body of the water that they're in. They're usually really territorial in the water. They're much more skittish when they're on land. And they come out at night because the sun can really easily burn their skin and whatnot. So they like to do all that feeding at night. If he had been attacked in the water, almost certainly he would have been killed. But I do think because this hippo attacked him on land, it was much more concerned about potential threats it wasn't in its element and it was you know those rocks that crispus threw at it were probably enough to discourage it It turns out you don't need a bomb that's painted like a watermelon mike you just need a few (laughs) rocks let's get in for oh i'm writing that down hold on uh if you're out of the water i think in the water you might need that bomb still anyway so i want to talk just for a minute about why this hippo might have behaved this way So, Jeff, you brought up hippos don't eat meat. I found a paper. I was curious because I'd heard of them scavenging on carcasses and stuff, but I didn't know how rare it was that they did that. And so I looked it up, and I found a peer-reviewed research paper. In 2015, it was by Joseph Dudley et al., and they took a look at this idea that hippos are obligate herbivores, which means they really only eat plants. And he actually proposed, this team actually proposed, that they're facultative carnivores which means that they will generally eat plants and whatnot but if they have the opportunity to eat meat they will take it and they even argued that they will actually hunt down and kill prey um, so it's not just necessarily like they find a dead hippo or something at times when there's something near the water that they see as easy prey they'll kill it so they said this is a quote from the paper our scientific records coupled with those of other investigators and observers demonstrate that the phenomenon of carnivory by hippos is not restricted to particular individuals or local populations, but is an inherent characteristic of the behavioral ecology of hippos. So they're not only arguing that like some hippos are carnivores, they're saying that all of them have the potential to be carnivores. 
or display carnivory. So it's a relatively new discovery. Part of the reason they think that is because they feed at night. It's really hard to observe them feeding and whatnot. And then they also think that this carnivory has increased as an outcome of environmental conditions like drought and habitat, habitat loss, and then also convenience. So both of those things could be at play here. It's very possible that in Uganda they were having a drought when this happened, and this hippo wasn't having an easy time finding food, and it decided to go explore and look for easier food. And then as it was doing that, it just stumbled upon a little boy playing in his yard, and it was like, oh, this is small enough for me to eat, and it tried eating him. And then luckily someone intervened and stopped it. And that's my guess what happened here. Stoned him. Stoned him. Yep, just stoned that hippo. That's really fascinating to me, though. I never would have thought of a hippo going out and deciding to eat a person. But I honestly, I don't think it would have seen a two-year-old kid as a threat, especially out of the water, enough to attack him. So I kind of think it was trying to eat him. That's kind of my guess on this one, which is pretty crazy. That is, yeah. Or maybe so, the two-year-old just like walked in his mouth. He might have just crawled in there. Yeah. He might have, the hippo might have just opened <laughs> Two-year-olds are pretty dumb. They are dumb. If you got stuck headfirst in a hippo's throat, Jeff, would you want your arms like down by your sides or up above your head so it's like down his throat? Up above my head. Yeah, because you can pull the, what's pull the thing the that dangles? The little dangling. Uvula thing. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. <laughs> but if you had him down by your side, you could grab the tusk. The tusk. I'd want him down by my out. side just because it'd be a funnier photo if like, your true. legs yeah. and your hands are sticking out of its mouth. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I don't know if we're doing Instagram moment, but that's the it's number one one contender. Yeah, so far, that's <laughs> the winner. <laughs> like, um, can you imagine like just like the parents being like, here's our little, here's our little boy. <laughs> our guy. This is <laughs> just like that two. picture. <laughs> There were there were photos of him after the attack, and I was impressed that he really didn't have that much damage. Yeah, on that's him. what I read. Like he was pretty much fine. Yeah, he should have been dead. I mean, it's crazy yeah. that he survived yeah. this. It did give all these. Every single article I read was like hippos are the most dangerous animal in Africa. They kill five hundred people a year. So if you want to hear me talk about that at length. Jeff did an episode on a guy who had a pet hippo and then also Pablo Escobar's hippos. And we talked about that myth of hippos being the most dangerous animal in Africa. So go back in our back catalog and listen to that one because we talk about that a lot. So that's my first story. I'm done. Good story, Wes. You're welcome. Who's up next? Thanks, I guess. Yeah, you go, Mike. Okay, this story happened on January 9th in Malaysia. A grave robber broke into a cemetery, dug up a grave, and ate the corpse that was laid to rest there. The prime suspect? What is a it? A bear. Yeah. Well, more specifically, a bear would be my guess. Yeah. probably a sun bear, since in the Malaysian area, that's really the only bear native to that area. Right, Wes? Yes, correct. So they may have they may have some Asiatic black bears down there too, but I think it's just sun bears. Yeah. Okay. So Maslan Aluij and his son had established this routine. His wife had passed away just a couple of weeks earlier from when this event took place, but they would regularly go visit her grave to clean it up and just kind of pay respects, you know, as one does. At the cemetery, it was located in Kampun Dako. And on one of their regular visits, they were totally shocked to find that the gravesite had been utterly desecrated by a wild animal. 
And he was he was quoted as saying, Maslan, he said, I visit the graveyard to clean it with my son on December 26th. So that's either on the 26th or slightly before when this happened. And suddenly I noticed footprints in bare excrement in the area where my late wife was buried. The next day, I brought the village residents along to check the area. We found that Amek's body, Amek was her name, her body was eaten by a wild bear and it was roaming around the graveyard. Uh, the bear was roaming the graveyard, not uh, her body. Thanks. Not the body. Sorry, my, the English major in me it makes me like kind of a pedantic. Mike's been watching me. The Last of Us. Yeah. Oh, I certainly <laughs> haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Alois. So he called the police immediately, and when they arrived, some further connections were made because previously, just a couple of days prior, there were witnesses that saw a sun bear attacking a local dog that was on some property nearby. It's not 100% confirmed that it was the same bear, but it was a sun bear in both of these scenarios. So, Wes. Yeah. Why, in your expert opinion, why would a bear sink to such low depths? I I think that's... We shouldn't say that the bear's sinking to anything there. <laughs> um, for a bear, a bear is just looking to get the easiest, most accessible sorts of calories Jewelry. possible. Yeah, yeah, just source of jewelry. Yeah, they're big jewels, <laughs> thieves. Uh, no, they just they just want easy calories. You know, it, right. just like every animal, the easier they come, the better. That's less energy that you have to expend to go on surviving, to reproduce, to do all the things that you're you're supposed to do as an animal. And so, my guess, and this again, this is kind of a judgment call. My guess is that maybe this person wasn't buried quite as deep as they needed to be to where. There's no kind of scent diffusion, you know? Yeah. And right. if a bear is in that area and maybe they've already been able to get into one of these bodies in the past or something, then they're going to keep coming back. And if they smell anyone that's close enough to the surface, they're going to start digging. You know, bears be digging. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, sun bears, it, it, they're a unique bear in that they're mostly fruit eaters. They're mostly arboreal. They're not really looking for much else aside from that but they're like every other bear in that they will take advantage of an easy meal when they find one so yeah that's that's my mike guess. yeah how would you feel if a bear ate your mom's corpse you know what we <laughs> um we've talked about this kind of thing before actually like a couple of weeks after we went up and there we saw a bunch of like deer droppings all over her gravestone and my yeah. dad was like you know what i think she'd probably really appreciate you know nature running its course right over I'd be where she's buried. Thrilled so, if a deer uh, me too. If it buried yeah. my body. Yeah. I think that'd yeah. be great. I also so I looked up the penalty. So this is what for the bear? You'll get slapped with for yeah. So this is what the bear's facing. It's still at large. <laughs> they have yet to apprehend him okay. or her. So it's a class C felony to interfere with a cemetery or burial ground. Punishable up to ten years in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine or both. That's the state of Connecticut, though. I don't really know what the laws are in Malaysia. In Malaysia. Um, so they're completely not applicable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but had this taken place in Connecticut. There By you know. a human. So all yeah. you, all you uh, Connecticans? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What do you call Connecticians? From... Yeah. Be careful. Be careful around those dead bodies. I think the bear probably would have been good to pay that fine. Just robbing graves all over the place. Yeah. Maybe. Sun bears are cool. They're kind of creepy. They have like these weird long fingers going on, and yeah, like they have I don't super know, super long tongues. They're cool. really short for 
They're they yeah, got like the, the Batman emblem on their chest. Yeah, the cool orange Batman logo. Blaze. They are they're a really cool looking animal. Yeah. All right. All right, Jarf. Jarf. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk a bit about Zeus. Okay. The Greek god. Zeus. No, that's Zeus. <laughs> what does Zeus do? He's, Is he? He he gets up to a lot of sexual escapades. Constantly just cheating on Hera, Hera, and just making new kids. He's throwing lightning bolts at people. He's not Thor's dad. That's a different. If you're a god that's been alive for like eternity, I don't know. I feel like you should have a hall pass every (laughs) once in a while. (laughs) Eternity is a long time to be faithful. Hera's like the most beautiful woman that's ever existed, too. Yeah, but it's what's on the inside that counts, you know? All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so my source here is Billy Football from Barstool Sports. Okay. okay. <laughs> that sounds like a Jeff source. Uh, no, but he has some real sources from like CNN and stuff. Anyways, at the Dallas Zoo, things have been a little crazy recently. So just like a week ago, the zoo's emperor tamarin monkeys. Do you know what those are, Wes? Yeah. Mike? No. Tamarins they look, look like, like the... a little marmoset. Hold on. Kind of... Oh, sorry. Well, actually, you can say it. I, I don't know why it's Tamarin, the kind of orange. Do you know what a marmoset Citrus? looks like? No. So, like, they're those really... They almost look like a squirrel. It's like a little tiny monkey that looks like a squirrel almost, and they have these little tufts going off their head. You know really Kill Bill too. I do know that flick. It looks film. like... The martial art guy who trains her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot better than what Wes was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll show you. Oh, yeah, with the big old, like, Fu Manchu kind of mustache. Yeah. Yeah. They don't all have mustaches like that, but that kind of tamarind does. So their tamarinds just went missing, and the zoo just was, like, super confused. But I don't know if you guys saw this. A lot of listeners saw it. A few days earlier, their clouded leopard had just escaped, and they had to shut the whole Dallas Zoo down. Yeah. Oh, so wow. So then, like, a couple days later, two of their monkeys get stolen, and it's just like, what's going on at this zoo, right? When the leopard got out, they did a really funny—it wasn't, like, supposed to be funny, but the Dallas Zoo was like, we have an ongoing situation. The zoo is closed until further notice. And it's like, oh wow, you don't want to hear a zoo say that. And everyone was kind of freaking out. Well, were people in yeah, the zoo? I, ha- I have the I have the tweets from Dallas Zoo. Okay. So it says this is on the thirteenth of January. The zoo is closed today due to a serious situation. Yeah. So you get the zoo and you see that, and you're like, "Wait yeah. a second, I might need a little more Time to detail go. here." Then they followed up with, "We have an ongoing situation at the zoo right now with a code blue." Mike, you know what Code Blue is? Is that the Few Good Men? When think Jessup's yelling? That's Code Red, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know what Code Blue is. Code Red either. sounds worse, to be honest. Without a doubt. It's a, that is a non-dangerous animal that is out of its habitat. Yeah. One of our clouded leopards is not in its habitat when the team arrived this morning and is unaccounted for at this time. So clouded leopards aren't dangerous? No, they're small enough that, I mean, it would be dangerous if you grabbed it and tried to, like, subdue it without a net or something, but it's not big enough to hunt or trying to hurt a person. Hmm. Yeah. So they find out that, like, the mesh had been cut to the enclosure, and someone, like, cut the mesh and let it out. Oh. 
and then they found the leopard close by. So then these monkeys, they were gone from the zoo, and someone had like broken in and stolen them. Uh huh. And they found them fifteen minutes away in an abandoned house in the closet. Oh come on, really? Yeah. Weird. But it's kind of like. Almost feels like someone just like took them and didn't know what like, to do afterwards. Just to see they, if they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you, you wonder if it was just some tweakers or something that stole them and went to their abandoned house and were like, oh, shoot. Like, what did we do? They what have. Do we do? <laughs> this was fun. I mean, for they a, have yeah. cameras. I think they have a suspect that they're pretty sure did it, but yeah. they haven't like confirmed it. So they haven't said for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, it didn't look like a tweaker. Huh. And then. Actually, this one, I'm going to see if there's been any updates, too. So, okay, no. So, I don't see any updates that these monkeys have been returned, but 12 monkeys were stolen from the zoo at Louisville. Huh. What kind of monkeys were those? So, the cool thing about podcasts is when I don't have an answer, we can just cut all that. (laughs) And now, here I have the answer right away for you. Wow, so fast. (laughs) Yeah. 12 squirrel monkeys were stolen. Stolen from the zoo in Louisiana. Louisville. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Louisville. And they're they're really concerned. The cops are, like, looking for them. They're just concerned because, like, monkeys need space. They need, I don't know, they need enrichment. So, obviously, the zoo's very concerned about getting their monkeys back. Yeah. And you know who stole those monkeys, report them. I wonder if it's, like, a copycat situation or, like... Because, like, get the, like, I've seen zoos where I could probably cut a net to something, but it's like, why would I ever do that, you know? Right. It's just a dick thing to do. It's like putting the animal safety at risk. It's putting people's safety at risk. It's just not, like, just don't do it. You're not, if you think that you're helping that animal by doing that, too, you're definitely not, just so you know. Mm. It's just creating a bad situation for everyone involved. So don't do that. It does remind me of that book idea I had, though, Wes, where it's just like, if all the animals in the zoo got out, like, yeah. which one would, which one, if you're at the zoo and all the animals got out, which one would you be most worried about? The tiger. For me, it's yeah. the tiger, without a doubt. The pack of lions could be bad. Pride alliance. Pride. Yeah, yeah that's what mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> What makes that idea a book idea? More so than like a movie idea. Well, like a mi- oh, he's well, gonna they'll make it, it for a movie. Okay, I see. <laughs> You're starting. I okay, mean, yeah, it's I a good, good plan. Like you can't just like make a movie about that by yourself. He's gonna but write. You that. Could make a book. He's gonna That's write true. it any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's up next? Uh, you. All right. So I got another two-year-old story, and it's for coyotes be wildin'. I'm taking Jeff's category again. There is a two-year-old girl in Woodland, I think it's Woodland Hills, Woodland Hills. There's a two-year-old girl in Woodland Hills that got attacked by a coyote in broad daylight. There's video of this attack. It's pretty crazy, actually. The dad takes the girl out of the car and, like, sets her down, and then he goes over to the other side of the car to get some toys out. Yeah, and he's, like, messing with the toys, and the coyote comes up and grabs the girl, knocks her over, and starts, like, dragging her across the concrete. And the dad hears her scream, doesn't know there's a coyote, runs over, sees the coyote. It immediately releases her when it sees the dad run up. But he grabs her and, like, pulls her up. And then the coyote just backs off maybe, like, 10 feet and kind of watches. And then he finally picks up a toy or something and throws it at it, and it sprints off. But it's a pretty crazy interaction. It's all caught on video, so you can see it if you want. Um, They did find the coyote, and they killed it. 
these kind of things are becoming more common in LA, Dallas, places where there's lots of urban coyotes. You do have to be really careful. If you're putting your kid on the ground or if you're letting your kids play outside, just maybe do a quick coyote scan first because there are a lot of coyotes in those places and they are really good at just watching and waiting for an opportunity. So just, I think you got to do your best to kind of be on your guard if there's coyotes in your neighborhood. So that's yeah. my first coyotes. Be my wildin'. Oh, go the ahead. City of Cincinnati had to have like a council meeting uh, about coyotes. January 9th about coyotes and like how they don't feel safe right now. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Did you go? Or no, that was before you, <laughs> you weren't in yeah. Cincinnati. <laughs> I was in Cincinnati. Yeah. Shoot. They I should had another, invite us. They should. We should be part Next of that time. meeting. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've read Coyote America. Um, <laughs> all right. So there also is another one that just happened in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, Sophia Montalbano was um, attending Schweitzer Ski Resort. She was skiing there. I shouldn't say attending. That's kind of a weird way to say it. She was skiing at, at Schweitzer Ski Resort near Sandpoint, Idaho when she was attacked by a coyote. She was going down the hill and the coyote came up behind her, bit her in the leg, and in her effort to get away, she fell into a tree well. So sometimes when like a bunch of snow piles up around a tree, there's kind of this empty space that can be actually really dangerous. If they're deep enough, you can die by falling in a tree well. But she fell in a tree well and then the coyote continued to attack her while she was in there. And um, she had to fight it off until help arrived and she got bit up a bit and unfortunately had to get a lot of shots. She said that she got tetanus, rabies, and antibody shots. And she said she lost count after 40, after 40 injections. So it's a lot of injections. It's a big hassle. Rabies shots, like it's not just one round. You have to keep going back, right? For multiple rounds. Oh, never mind. What? I I heard it's a big asshole, but you said hassle. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping that in. Uh, Anyway, I my guess with that coyote, it's hard to say for sure, but a lot of times there's a snowboarder resorts, places like that. These animals end up getting fed scraps, like they might have been begging near the lodge or something, and someone fed it, and then it that just completely changes their behavior. It makes them think that people might be a source of food. And then also kind of a quick moving object. We've talked about this in the podcast before. When when an animal's trying to decide if you're if you're food or not, and you pass them quickly, it forces them to make a decision. And that might have been what triggered this coyote to go after her. So glad to hear she's okay. Glad to hear that coyotes are what wild wildin. They're wildin still. Yep. Gnarly right. yard sale, bro. <laughs> people still say that when people fall down on their skis. I, I hope think they so. do. Yeah, Wes has just completely hijacked my coyotes wildin. I always, wow. I always wait for you to say you're gonna do it, but then you <laughs> didn't say it, so I was like, I gotta do it. Yeah, nah, it's fine. I, I like it. It's our, you know, Jeff, you created our one running news gag, so <laughs> it'll forever be <laughs> off to you. There's been fan art about it. All right, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, next one. On January 13th of this year, I just said January, really weird. January 13th. January. <laughs> a Ketchum, Idaho woman was out in her driveway when she was headbutted by a moose. So, tale as old as time. The moose got all riled up, we've heard this one before, by a small, unleashed dog uh, that got a little bit too close to this moose for its comfort. 
Yeah. Mortal enemy, as we know. It's like they it's not cats and dogs. Unleashed dogs. Yeah. Moose and dogs. Why well, didn't they just headbutt the dog at least though? You know? I know. <laughs> well it might have. Or is. just stomp it. Yeah. Here, there's more details. We don't know exactly it could have headbutted this dog. I didn't see anything confirming or denying that. All right. Um so the woman has since explained that she was attempting to intervene. She was getting in the mix a little bit. Uh, and the moose took exception to her taking exception, charged at her, headbutted her in her head, and knocked her out completely. She was unconscious laying in her driveway. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And while no one else was really around to witness what happened in the aftermath of her being knocked out, the injuries they found all over her body indicate pretty clearly that this moose was not done with her yet. Trampled you her know, a bit. Trampled her a little bit. Might have headbutted the dog. I don't know. She was passed out. There's no witness besides the dog. Yep. Huh. Was the dog laying unconscious on top of her? <laughs> yeah. You're probably wondering why I'm sharing this story. You're probably like, I get knocked unconscious by moose all the time, right? I d- no, I'm not thinking that. I don't think anyone's thinking that. Is that what that. you're saying, Jeff? <laughs> I was wondering that, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> Boris so, and Natasha are wondering that. But you always wear a helmet everywhere you go, so I Exactly, don't know. yeah, for a variety of reasons. So while this encounter happened on the 13th of January, this is kind of why I thought this is interesting to share. It wasn't reported to Idaho Fish and Game until January 17th, so four days after the fact. Is that when she woke up? Yeah, yeah, still in her driveway, just like, what the heck? (laughs) Time traveled. But that prompted the department to reaffirm just how important it is to report these kinds of encounters as soon as is possible. And I don't, yeah. maybe Wes, you can explain why that's important. Yeah, I mean, the why do you thing not that, know? Well, yeah, I, he pretty, just has like he has firsthand point. experience, so maybe he has some info that I just wouldn't share. Yeah, it's just so they can respond. Like if they respond four days later and they find a moose that matches the description, they're not going to be a hundred percent sure that's the right moose. But if they can respond an hour later, they're going to be pretty confident it's the right moose. And so yeah. you don't want to I get like the idea of the right description. They have like a sketch artist yeah. there just yeah. like <laughs> drawing <Brown. a> moose. <laughs> like the usual suspects yeah. line up with six different moose. <laughs> I think I'm going to write a book about a woman that gets headbutt by a moose, passes out, wakes up four days later in a zoo where all the animals are out, and she oh. doesn't know what to <laughs> do. Yeah, it's a good one. Good book, dude. All right. That dust cover elevator pitch has got me <laughs> sweating. That would be a like that's one video I I wish there was like a nest video of that one just because it's a good love, Instagram yeah, contender it is <laughs> I love like a fail video where the person just goes down like a sack of potatoes anyway I hope she's okay though. I wonder what the dog did after that just like probably yeah. went in and like ate all the food it's wanted to eat yeah. and probably kept like going at the moose I bet she's probably. just like yeah. didn't do anything. It turned into like a home alone situation where the dog was laying traps for the moose. That's what I like to imagine. All right. I'll do my, I'm going to just do two here because one of them I just have pretty short. Cool. So on January 16th in Johannesburg, South Africa, a tiger escaped from its backyard enclosure and killed four things and also injured one. You guys have any guesses? Hmm. In Johannesburg? Yeah. I'm going to guess it killed. Got to be a giraffe in there. Some pets, <laughs> like some dogs and cats, and Rhino? injured. A, I think it's all dogs and cats, is my guess. Chicken. Two dogs, a pig, a deer, and then injured a man 
like it got his legs really good. Oh, jeez. And then went into town until people chased it off with torches. <laughs> like Frankenstein. Okay. And then they were they had a really hard time finding it because there's a lot of thick brush, but they ended up finding it and euthanizing it. I guess in that area of South Africa, it's just kind of like, well, like we did the Humphrey the Hippo episode was there, but it's kind of just like a free-for-all for what type of pets you can have. So, like, they might need some more laws there. For, yeah. It's like, be, our, it's like our version of, their version of Florida. Can you imagine just, like, <laughs> w- going on a walk right now and being attacked by a tiger? No. I couldn't. <laughs> because, like, they don't live in South Africa, no. you know? No. Yeah. It'd be so weird. That's true. <laughs> It'd probably be annoying to be, like, to tell people that you got attacked by a tiger in South Africa, and they'd be like, there's no tigers in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean a lion? And you'd be like, no, it was a tiger. It's like really the annoying. guy I know whose arm got bit off by a lion in Guatemala, and someone told me that. I was like, no, it didn't. Like, yeah. lions don't live in Guatemala, and then yeah. end up being true. It was at a zoo. I will have to do that story at some point. Yeah, I have to talk to him about it. Yeah. Uh, January 24th. Officials in Kansas say a man died after he was shot by his dog in a freak what? hunting accident. Huh. So this isn't the person you guys are thinking of, but Joseph Smith, <laughs> 30 years old in Wichita, was killed Saturday morning. I'm reading the clipping. He died on a Saturday. The dog discharged the gun from the back of the truck. And it went through the seat and shot him. What the heck? Jeez. Yeah. I was looking it up, though, and this isn't the first time this has happened. So I found two other stories, and there was one in Moscow, Russia, in 2018, where the guy just had the gun pointing at his stomach, <laughs> and the dog like came up to the gun and stepped on the trigger and shot him, and yeah. he died. So I'm wondering if it's kind of like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park, where they once they out. like learn how to open a door, then just all of them all know how they to know open how a to door. Do. Or it could have been the same dog. You ever think <laughs> yeah. of that? Yeah, that's true. That dog might be bouncing around the world shooting people. <laughs> so I don't know. Watch out for dogs and guns. Yeah, I will. Maybe don't leave a loaded gun around your dog or pets or anything. <laughs> All right, well, I I saved my sadder ones for last, so I'm going to do a sad one. This one's sad, and then my last one's very sad. This one was a a man who died by muskox, which is kind of crazy, got sent to us a lot as well. Um, This was December 13th. It's Officer Curtis Warland, who worked as an Alaska Court Services officer. He was found dead outside his dog kennel in Nome, Alaska, with a large wound in his leg. Responding officers learned that he had been armed and was actively trying to protect his dogs from a herd of musk oxen that had entered his property, and he had been using his snow machine, which is what Alaskans call a snowmobile, and his Glock to try and get these animals away. And at some point, no one really knows when, one of these musk oxen had gored him in the leg, and my guess is that probably got his femoral artery and he bled out um, because when they found him, he was dead. Yeah, it's just an unlucky spot to get gored. Apparently, he had served the court services for 13 years. He was a beloved member of the Nome community. Uh, Because he was on a paid break when he was killed, he was technically on duty. And he's the first court services officer to ever be killed while on duty, which is kind of, you know, not the the list you want to make. But he did make it. Um, So muskoxen are a really common sight in Nome and throughout parts of northern Alaska. 
They're known for having a really thick shaggy coat. They have these long curved horns that kind of like fold down their head and then curve out. And they have a really musky smell that males put off during their rut. That's where they get their name musk oxen. Hmm. They stand about four feet tall. They can get up to 900 pounds. They're kind of crazy because you picture them being a lot taller than they actually are. So you usually see them in these places where they're on tundra and stuff and there's not a lot of stuff to give them, you know, a relative, um, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you can't really tell how big they are because there's like a reference for size, like scale. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no scale, but so they're actually not that tall or that big, but they are, they're like, they're kind of like a small cow, but they're covered in hair and they have these big horns. Uh, They're very defensive of their young. They're famous for this defensive circle that they make when they're confronted by a threat. They all circle up and put their horns to the outside and then their calves will be in the middle. When I was working on my polar bear project, a lot of times I would stumble upon groups of musk oxen and they would always form that circle, almost always. If they had enough space, they would just run. But if we were close enough, they would form that circle and protect their young. Uh, They're really cool. They're such a cool ungulate why would he have to protect his dog i don't know i like there wasn't a lot of details about this one i think he had dogs on ropes or something in his yard and he's worried about the musk oxen going through there and them trampling his dogs i doubt they would have done that but who knows this guy's lived in Nome for so long he probably knows musk oxen really well they're like you see him just in the main streets in Nome and stuff so i'm sure he had his reasons for being nervous about it yeah Musk oxen are found throughout the circumpolar Arctic. They have ones that are that were never eliminated in Alaska, Canada, and Greenland, and then they've been reintroduced in other parts of the Arctic. We'll probably do an episode on them at some point because I really like them. Yeah. Uh, but that's a sad story about a guy that recently got killed by one. Yeah, I don't like poor guy. Yeah. It's not an animal you'd think would kill you. Well, I've got a sad one for you. Sad. Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to end real sad. You've probably heard, many of you have probably heard this already, but first reported, at least from what I saw, by trackingsharks.com back on January 5th of this year, there was the first shark fatality in the world down in Mexico, the Sea of Cortez. The first of the year. First of the year. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me on that. First ever shark fatality ever (laughs) in the history of- We're back in the 1700s. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Manuel Lopez, he was diving for mollusks in Tabari Bay, Mexico, when he encountered a great white shark about 50 feet under the surface of the water. And seagoers had actually been warned previously, a few days beforehand, that there had been a pretty sharp increase in shark sightings in the area. And for a few days, that did take effect on every... Nobody went there. No one was testing fate by going out there and getting back to work. But a couple days later, Lopez and a couple of his fishermen mates uh, decided that maybe it was safe to venture back in and do some fishing. It was... uh, Well, we'll get into that later. But there's a reason why they would be testing the waters, as it were. So feeling that maybe the danger had passed, Lopez and the two other fishermen set out to get back to work. Two of them stayed up in the boat while Lopez hopped in the water and went down to do some mollusk fishing or harvesting, whatever you call it. And he was connected to an air supply source that was back up on the boat. So just picture like a big tube going from his mouthpiece all the way back up to the surface onto the boat. And that was supplying him with air while he was under. So the two other fishermen who were with him at the time of the attack estimated that the shark might be as long as 19 feet. 
That's huge. Wow, that's a big shark. I don't know how accurate they could be if this happened 50 feet under the surface. Maybe it came back up closer to the surface. I don't know. Yeah. That's what they said. Okay. They also, unfortunately, were witness to Lopez being completely decapitated by this shark. Jeez, that is no crazy. Way. Jose Bernal, he was speaking on behalf of these two other guys, maybe like an interpreter situation. He said about the attack, he was diving when the animal attacked him, impressively ripping off his head and biting both shoulders. That's wild. Which is kind of a strange way to articulate the situation. But, I mean, it is crazy how powerful they are. How would you say it? Well, you guys hate when I put any extra words into my stories. So I'd be, the shark (laughs) ripped his head off, and that's all I would say. And you guys would be like, finally. Mike just getting to the point. What do uh, we hate? You hate when I add any kind of language flourish into what Are I say. Are you still mad that I said her family and friends called her Jen? Affectionately refer to <laughs> her as Jen. Do you think they do not affectionately you refer still to her? I think that's just her name. As Jen? I think it's just her name. So when you say a name, it's not affectionate. Ever. You just don't need to ever specify it. That okay, that's what I'm saying. A shark bit this guy's head off. End of story. <laughs> you guys want any more details? No. Any I, questions? I don't think we should diminish it to that. Like, this is obviously... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. According to trackingsharks.com, uh, uh-huh. there had been, like, a pretty major shortage of seafood. Okay. So, just kind of, like, economic and financial stresses made Where these guys again? maybe feel a little more uh, down in Tabari Bay. Mexico. So is that on the Sea of Cortez side or is that the Pacific side? That's what the articles were saying in the Sea of Cortez side. Interesting. That's not like a place where there's generally many gray whites either. They were saying that January and December were kind of like a high season for them to be sighted in the area just because that's where nursing mothers would. I don't know if that's where they give birth, but that's where they find a lot of food. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's I guess moral of the story is take heed of these kinds of announcements yeah and uh maybe be aware of like the status of the waters if you're ever traveling to these locations for certain times of year those honestly like abalone divers people that are harvesting mussels and mollusks and those kind of things are at a really high risk of running into great whites a lot of times those animals that they're looking for share space with with like marine mammals where great whites are actively hunting. So like Rob Rebstock, our our first great white story we ever did, he was doing that sort of thing. Like he was looking for abalone and whatnot. And that's when he got attacked. And it sounds like this shark just, it could have been an exploratory bite. It could have been a predatory one, but it was the wrong spot to get bit. Yeah. If maybe had it been his arm or leg, he would be alive to tell a story. But unfortunately it wasn't. So yeah, pretty sad. Well, rest in peace, Manuel. Yeah, it's not the distinction you want being the first fatality of 2023. Nope. Um, all right, well, should we do one more downer story real quick? I can do... Or I'll, I'll finish us off with a good one. Okay. So, yeah, go for it. So, I got a really sad one. This one really bummed me out pretty hard, and I think, I think of all the stories we've done, this is one that probably needs an extra level of, of sensitivity just because it just happened. The community is still mourning. And it involves a a mother and her brand new child, which is just really devastating. But I do think, you know, it was one that got sent to us a lot. It's one that happened that's like an extremely rare circumstance. So I do think it's worth talking about. But I do just want to say that this is a hard one to report on. It's not an easy one to even talk about. So we're going to talk about it quickly. On January 17th, Summer Miomic left the public school in a small 
mostly in Nupiak village of Wales, Alaska, which is located just under the Arctic Circle. It's a whaling village, has a permanent population of around 140 people, and it's a really tight-knit community. And Summer and her one-year-old son, Clyde, had just left the school. She has Clyde tucked against her chest. She's walking from the school to like a hospital clinic that's about 150 yards away, but the conditions are so bad that she can't see anything. It's really blowing snow. It's super blizzardy, almost no visibility, but she's really familiar with this area. She knows where she's going. It's only 150 yards away, but she wouldn't make it. Almost invisible in that very same snow was a roving polar bear, and she wandered right along the path of this polar bear, and it did attack her and her son. It grabbed her. It began mauling them immediately. Nearby in the school, the principal saw what was happening, told everyone to shut their blinds so this wouldn't scar all the kids that were in school and could probably see it as well. Uh, And then the principal and some other people that were witness to this ran out to try and stop the attack from happening or from proceeding, and they threw, or they got shovels, and they went to hit this bear with the shovels, which did stop it from mauling Summer and Clyde. Wow. But the bear then turned on them, actually chased the principal to the school door, and the principal just barely made it inside and was able to close the door before the bear got in, which is very lucky that the bear didn't get inside of this school with a bunch of school children inside. It did go back then to mauling Summer and Clyde, and unfortunately, they did die. So... They attempted rescue later. A guy showed up with a rifle, was able to shoot the bear, killed the bear. It was a few days before anyone could respond to take samples and whatnot, just because the storm really lingered and it was hard to get help in there. But it is the first fatal polar bear attack in Alaska in over 30 years. This community is still reeling from the incident. There is a GoFundMe for the family of Summer and Clyde. So we are going to link to that in our show notes and on our Instagram. Uh, It's something that if you do have the means to contribute, you should. I'm going to contribute some money to them as well. It's a really, it's just a tragic one. There's no way around that. That's just a terrible, terrible thing to have happen in your like tiny little village where everyone knows each other, especially. I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, why this might have happened. It's kind of, it's really, it's interesting that this happened in January because polar bears typically in the winter The ones that aren't denning, like if they're not a pregnant female, they should be out on the ice hunting seals. And we've talked about polar bears. They're really the only thing that's going to keep them alive throughout these cold, you know, regions where they inhabit are, is like marine mammal fat. So they need seals or beluga whales or whales that have been killed by people that are on shore that they can feed on, but they need that really dense marine mammal blubber to survive. And so it's not common to have a bear on land this time of year looking for an easy meal. Now saying that, this bear is part of the Chukchi Sea subpopulation of polar bears, and that subpopulation has seen a lot of instability with their sea ice. Uh, they've lost a lot of volume of sea ice. The sea ice isn't nearly as predictable as it used to be, and it's possible that sea ice conditions this year influence this bear to go look for alternative sources of food. And that could be what was happening, but it's impossible right now to say that's for sure what happened. It could be a bear that was sick. It could be just a sub-adult bear that hadn't really figured out how to be a bear yet. could be a lot of things. We just don't have enough information yet to say for sure. So as a data point, it is interesting because of the conditions around it. As a personal kind of human interest thing, it's just completely devastating. And our hearts go out to the people of Wales and Summer and Clyde's family. I can't imagine 
being attacked like that, seeing that attack happen, someone you know, oh, like a new yeah. a newborn is what that like a newly introduced to the world. Yeah, child. one year old. Yeah, Ugh, yeah, that's it, tough. It's hard to, and I know we've all run into this as we've done research for these stories. It's hard to like, like as a scientist, you know, I'm I'm reading through, I'm kind of pulling out these lessons so we can learn about the animal and whatnot. And then as you're reading these articles, you're like suddenly there's a picture of this person and it's like man she was just a kid she was so young so it is it's just really tragic jeff why don't you give us a nicer story to end this news episode on all right this is more just like two headlines i saw one isn't feel good but it's just interesting yeah it's a very specific thing that i'm going to tell you right now but whatever okay it's from hindustan times and it's from Hindustan? India. Hindustan. Oh, yeah, that, Hindustan. That's right. Okay. Hindustan, yeah. But I guess in Kerala, India, the government was kind of denying that people were dying by animals. So huh. someone went back and found that 637 people have been killed by animals in the last five years. Crazy. In that area. just that part of India. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man. Mainly, it sounded like a lot of it was from boars. Uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's just a headline I saw. It didn't have a lot of information, to be honest. Okay. So now my feel-good one is that trail cameras in the Sierras in California, they've sighted a Sierra Nevada red fox, which was kind of thought to be extinct or like critically endangered, and they uh. haven't been able to spot one since the 30s. Huh. 1930s. Whoa. So... Yeah, it's been, like, they actually found it in April, but they just released the news January 24th. Cool. man. But it's, like, a different species of fox, and it's a Sierra Nevada red fox that they were able to spot. That's amazing. So, I guess guess animals are doing all right. Oh, I have another (laughs) small piece of news that... I don't know if I'd say that. Uh, the, I have another, extinct, the extinct ones aren't even extinct, you know? <laughs> I have another one that could be seen as being good news for animals and could, it kind of depends on what side of this debate you fall on. I meant to say it when Mike did his Great White story, but uh, Guadalupe Island, which is kind of seen as the premier place to get into cages and see great white sharks, has been closed to all shark tourism. And for me, that was a huge bummer because it was actually number one on my bucket list place to go. I was thinking about going this year even to see them. It's It was always seen as being like the clearest water, the most, the biggest sharks, the best place to see them. But then I was kind of digging into why they did it. And part of the reason was some of these film crews that were doing really kind of insane stunts out there for Shark Week and for some other programs. Like there's this one this last year where they put this floating glass cage on the surface of the water and then they had a guy in it. And of course, after a while, a shark decided to go up and great whites often do this underneath kind of ambush attack where they launch up like a torpedo. And the shark did that and it broke through the glass and the guy had to like scramble to find a piece of glass to kind of float on while he's looking for the shark. And then he got into the boat. And I think the Mexican government was just tired of stunts like that. They're tired of people taking advantage of an animal like that, and they shut it down. So there are people out there that think this is going to be bad for the sharks. I think the jury's out on that. I think it could be good for them to have a break from all those kind of hijinks. 
So yeah, All right. It's gonna well. be bad for Andy Samberg. He hosts Shark Shark Week frequently. He does. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he's out. He's out. <laughs> I of think a job. he's done it like twice. Okay. Huh. I, yeah. It's been a while since I've watched a Shark Week. They sometimes me it too. Is a little hard I'm for not. Me. I know he did it once. That's okay. the only person <laughs> I could think of. <laughs> Ever since they teased Michael Phelps racing a shark, and then it yeah. just ended in like total disappointment. I was like, I'm out. I'm never. There's what never do you expect? Yeah, I don't know, but I well, Jeff thinks he can more eat than one. Just like yes, <laughs> Jeff <That's> too. <laughs> there, there's always like a megalodon, like the hunt for megalodon. There's just it's like how many. How many shows can you see? It's like White's cool the first the two years, and then they were it's like yeah. the first two years is new, and now it's like okay, you can't really do anything new anymore. Right? Yeah, I do. I do tend to feel that in the past, maybe they've gotten better with this. In the past, they've done a lot of programming that's made people really afraid of sharks too, and you know, I think we sometimes are maybe guilty of that, but I think we're doing our best not to do that to explain why you shouldn't actually. We is in sharks. tooth and claw. Yeah, I think know. I'm doing a good job being. Don't be afraid of them. Right. Just yeah. swim away from them. Yeah, I don't think that's what you should do at all. <laughs> all right. Well, what should we do on the back half of this whole episode? What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do Instagram moment from our news stories. Okay, I'm picking the hippo. If I could have a photo of my legs sticking out of a hippo's mouth, and I could say I survived that, I'm for sure picking that. So yeah, I picked the hippo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I want the moment the child gets dislodged from the mouth because I I Just want to envision that it like spits him out like projectile baby out of the mouth. <laughs> I think that'd be <laughs> pretty the neighbor fun. Catches him. Yeah, like a yeah. I like touchdown. That. Yeah, <laughs> a perfect baby right. spiral. So we all agree. Yeah. We all want the hippo photo. Did we want to? I think we are going to talk about our this month. If any of us have had memorable experiences with animals that we want to talk about i on my drive yesterday is a crazy drive every drive i've done like road trip this year has just been like a blizzard for me yeah and like is no different yesterday driving through wyoming and i saw like the semi off the road and i almost crashed because the semi in front of me was going like 10 miles an hour so it's hard to like avoid him <laughs> But then, like, right after that, I saw these two coyotes right in the center of the road, like, in the median. And they were, like, the coolest-looking coyotes, and it was a really pretty sunset, so it kind of, like, calmed me down. But, I don't know, it was negative 10 degrees with 50-mile-an-hour winds. So, like, they just looked completely fine, which I thought (laughs) was cool. That's always crazy to think about. Their coats were just so thick and pretty and they were just out there wiling so yeah. they're doing their thing living their best lives good for yeah. them uh i got a good one so i maybe already brought this up but i was in the bahamas a few weeks ago i went down there to go on a dive to see great hammerhead sharks which were on my bucket list for a long time this is a trip i've been looking forward to for like a year or more and kind of as an afterthought we went on another little excursion with the same dive company and they took us out to see dolphins and I learned that this is one of the only places in the world where you can go out, get in the water with wild dolphins and actually like kind of dive down and swim around with them. And I've tried that before. Me and Jeff have tried that before. And usually like when you try and get in the water with, with dolphins, what happens, Jeff? 
They don't want to swim with you. Wild no. ones. Like you hear them for a second, you hear some squeaks, and then they're gone. But that's like more Mexico. I think right. even California, they get kind of close to you. I've tried in Hawaii. I've tried in California. I've tried in Mexico. I've never like really had an opportunity to swim around with them. And we found these Atlantic spotted dolphins, which are really beautiful. And you get in the water, and they truly were like swimming circles around us and weaving in and out of us. And oh, that's it so just, cool. It like lasted for almost an hour. It was just really magical, and mm. real and this bright blue like crystal clear water it was just such a neat experience and it was the standout experience of me for the trip um even more so than seeing the sharks because the sharks were like being baited in and stuff but these dolphins were just they're just out there being dolphins and they let us join them for a second and it was cool uh mike what'd your cat do this month (laughs) (laughs) oh man my cat's been been an absolute nightmare to be honest but i was out on a walk late one night and it's not uncommon that I see some deer just running across the neighborhood streets. Yeah. But this time, it's a little weird because it was just one deer alone, and it heard me kind of shuffling, I don't know, probably 50 feet away. I was, I'm, a, I'm a noisy walker, I guess. It's kicking rocks. I don't know. But somehow it took notice of me, and it froze in place and just stared at me until I walked past it and around it and, like, a long ways away. It was still looking at me even after I had passed it. It's really unsettling. Yeah, that is unsettling. And I kind of like sideways shuffled when I was passing it because I just didn't want to break eye contact because yeah. it looked like this deer was getting ready to headbutt. I me think, or something. well, I like the reason they do that is to see if you'll get too close for them to like allow sure. it. Yeah, yeah, but like it's still just you start to think that one of those hoofs placed in the wrong spot like yeah. i'm dead the groin you know, like, yeah. yeah right in the groin and <laughs> my dad had a similar one and you're just dead <laughs> my dad had a similar one a couple weeks ago where it was like a buck in his yard that he walked out to check the mail or something and it just didn't move and he was like i'm gonna see how close i could get and he said he caught within like an arm's reach and then oh he my was gosh. like oh this thing might decide to charge me and gore me and then it finally took off and it does make you feel a little like when an animal that always does one thing suddenly doesn't do that thing, yeah. it is a little unsettling. You think who would win like if you headbutted each other? I think it would. I think it would probably win with its I don't know, dude. Yeah. With my helmet with that I'm wearing all the time. I have a shot. You yeah. do the Vin Diesel fast six <laughs> headbutt. Diving headbutt. headbutt. Both yeah. arms at your side. Dive. <laughs> yeah, that's my go-to oh. move. The torpedo. Yeah. All right. Well, should we do some, you know, let's do some listener questions. We got a backlog of both patron and listener questions. I think this is a great opportunity for us to answer some of them. Should we do them? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Should I start with the patron ones? Yes, sure. please. All right. It's fine. I will. <laughs> uh, so this one's from Colin. It's not much of a question, but I did want to read it. I hope it's Colin Farrell. My boss, Kyle... <laughs> Colin says, my boss Kyle got Best his question. Actor. I know. Yeah, he's nominated. Banshees. It was, great, it was a great movie. I love that movie. Do you right. want him to win? Oh, yeah, for sure. Get yeah, over Brendan. To to yeah, I yeah. love Bren Frazier, but it's Colin's time. So this is from Colin, not Colin Farrell. As far as I know, this Colin was not nominated for an Oscar. He said, my boss Kyle got his question read on an episode. My biggest 2023 goal. Well, I got news for you, Kyle. You're going to get this goal. <laughs> I am unbelievably jealous. Should I quit my job in protest? (laughs) 
Uh, we should have saved it for the end of the year, though. Now he's going to have to figure out come a new, come up with a new, new goal. goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I just called him Kyle, which is his boss's name. So, ooh, rough. We're big yeah, fans of quitting jobs. Kyle. Colin. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, yeah. <laughs> Kyle quit. Colin. Kyle sounds cool. I'd stay put. <laughs> Colin, you know, we're all fans of, of not not working around here. So if you need to quit, just go ahead and quit. But if you Kyle's money, listening, dude. Yeah, Kyle probably is listening. <laughs> anyway. Wait, Colin, ask Kyle for a ten percent raise. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, give that raise to Colin. Um Was there a question? No, that was it. He said, should I quit my job? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, quit your job, sure. Okay, this is a new question from Kristen. There's a few questions in this question. Uh, first, Kristen asked, Wes, do you have a f- photographic memory? The way you pull up info on any kind of animal is amazing. Thank you. I don't, but I do have a good memory for trivia and for animal facts. It's just kind of like I'll forget. I'll open my phone and forget why I was getting on my phone. But then if you ask me who are great white shark attack victim's name was from our fifth episode i'll know it was rob rebstock um, who is the 22nd u.s president i don't know <laughs> do you know no okay uh, taft there are other questions but i'm not good at trivia you're good at trivia <laughs> yeah they had two more questions in their question uh Kristen says if you had to choose would you rather die by grizzly attack or shark attack uh i'm gonna have you two answer this one since the other questions were for me why don't you guys the answer band that? The Bono? Band. What are you talking about? You two. You said you're gonna have oh, you two answer? Yeah. yeah, we got you. We got Bono here to answer this question. <laughs> I mean, for sure, shark. Yeah, you'd rather die by shark. I think like so. worst case scenario, I drowned. I think it'll probably like, be over a lot faster, right? I agree. Way better than worst case scenario with a bear. I think yeah. the initial attack by a shark is scarier, but I think the outcome is better than a grizzly bear so yeah i agree with you guys on that uh the last question was wes how are you able to do so much traveling all over the world shouldn't you be tagging bears uh i work seasonally with bears so in my off season the way i like to spend my money is traveling i i don't really have fancy tastes but i do really like traveling so that's what i do what was her name Kristen. i think Kristen should quit her job yeah, yeah. That's Kristen. what I get from that. Uh Kristen's a fifty seven year old mom, grandmother, wife who loves the oh, yeah. parks. Leave that family behind. All right. <laughs> You've done enough. <laughs> uh, is there any animal that actually kills people? So not like a squirrel or something that you would rather a grizzly bear kill you than that animal. Or like a bear. Bear yeah, seems like, like the worst to me. Yeah. Like ants. I wouldn't want to like be paralyzed and get eaten. No, I'm saying by like ants. Animals that like actually frequently kill. Oh, okay. That's what I was just mm. saying. So rabies doesn't count either, really, because that's you'd rather have rabies. I would rather get killed. I by think a bear I'd rather get killed. Oh, yeah, a bear. Yeah. 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 No, but I'm saying like crocodiles, like things that eat you. No, I think I think bears are maybe the worst for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've done a good job of convincing me of that. I'd yeah. maybe say like I'd rather get killed by a grizzly than a black bear. Though. Oh, for sure. I'd much rather get killed by a grizzly. Yeah. All right, here's another question. This one's from Tracy, another patron. Why did Tracy quit your job? Yeah, quit your job. (laughs) Tracy (laughs) says, when did Neanderthals or cavemen start having fun? What did they do for fun other than sex? 
I picture them in winter sitting in a cave with full bellies, grunting, trying to figure out what to do next. You know, I think from a scientific viewpoint, this is a really interesting question because as humans, we've given ourselves the space to have fun. We're not just like constantly thinking about surviving in food. Like we're secure enough that we can kind of have fun. So I, for my, my answer would just kind of be my like not fun answer would be whenever they were able to have shelter where they felt safe, I think is probably, and like consistent food is when they were able to start having some fun. But I don't mm. know what you guys well, think. Well, like I just view it like animals now, you know, they're probably just more similar to like primates, but couldn't swing on vines, which is kind of yeah. a bummer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like they were still like the smartest thing on earth, right? Yeah. What do you guys picture them doing for fun? That was their other question. Or their like other making question. a wheel and spinning it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Quit your job, Tracy. Um, okay. <laughs> so, Jeff, you got some listener questions, general listener questions. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. From Jeffrey M. Ward. Cor- correction corner here. So Jeffrey Epstein's another bad Jeffrey. Yeah, when I said there's no bad, bad Jeffreys, yeah. Is Jeffrey M. Ward a bad Jeffrey? Can Seems cool. He question. He does birding in Texas. Ah, so that's cool. cool then. He's birders, a good Jeffrey in my book. Birders then. are normally pretty good. Yeah. So they want to know which of y'all are the best dancer. Ooh, it's not me or Jeff. I don't know the. Mike's not like a good dancer. I but he's I've taken like ballroom dancing. It's Mike then. And Larson's like, we're bad dancers. I don't love it, but I've done line dancing and stuff. So yeah. maybe just by default. I'm not good. I'm not I saying have, that I am good. I can line dance. I have burned better in my than me. head when when my brother <laughs> when Cyrus got married at the very end of his wedding, my whole family was the only ones left on like the dance floor, I guess, dancing. And I remember just looking at us and thinking, as a family, we are the worst dancers I have ever seen. <laughs> like, not one of us is good at it. Dude, if yeah. you put some 50s music on, just get me, like, shaking my knees a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're a goofy dancer. My I'm money would be on dancer. Mike, though, still. Mike's really into break dancing. He's yeah. really excited for it to be in the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> Wait, that's real? That's happening? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> it's such like a weird thing to that judge. It's a very weird thing. It's going to be like, who? it's not even going to be like who can do the best tricks either. It's just going to be like who can like spin on their head the longest without falling over or something. <laughs> <laughs> or I think the the parameter is who gets served the hardest, I think, is what they're going to score it by. Braxton Martin 87 wants oh, to know, no. why doesn't Mike like my questions? They're so bad, Braxton. <laughs> All right. Quit your job, Braxton. <laughs> it's Comrade Lucas wants to know, biggest fictional ouchie from pop culture. For them, it's the assistant from Jurassic Park. The assistant. Like the, like the, I think the he lawyer? means the lawyer. Yeah, man, he died so quick. Oh no, they're probably talking about Jurassic World. That's the only assistant. Oh yeah, because she gets like picked up by the oh, the big water dino. Yeah, and then it the little one, the little flyer dino attacks her, and then it drops her to the other pterosaur, and then it drops her in the mosasaur. I don't know. That, yeah, I mean, still a quick death, but pretty funny. Uh-huh. 
You know what? Th- this is kind of one that is real predictable for me, and I I probably should have taken longer to think about this. I'm going to pick Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, Hugh Glass, because the bear attack that he had seemed really bad, but then he had to just like survive in the really cold, wet wilderness by himself for a long time and crawl and just it just seems so miserable. Like it seemed like conditions where I would have killed myself long before I ever got rescued. So yeah. that was my pick. I was gonna go to something like some horror movie thing where someone's like in hell or something, but I'm gonna go with a more realistic one and say Hugh Glass in the Revenant. I mean he's even colder in the Titanic. That's true. But he gets to sit there with Rose. He gets to die in the arms of his love. And she's yeah. Mm. I think he had a broken heart by that point because it was clear that she was not going to make room for him. Not going to let him. (laughs) Yeah, nothing hurts worse than that. What are your guys' answers? So mine, kind of in a similar vein, but I have Ted from I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. I made West read this story a long time ago. That's such a dark story. Put him in a pretty dark place. But basically, (sighs) this master AI computer turns this person immortal and just inflicts like ungodly pain on him for the rest of forever by the end he's like this big jelly blob yeah spoiler alert like he's about to kill himself to escape endless torment and then the ai thing stops him turns him into jelly so he can't kill himself but he's still fully conscious and he just has to survive eternity as a jelly blob unable to kill himself in physical torment and mental torment and it's so the worst that or the revenant; those are pretty, <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> uh, oh, man, that made me think of another one. I'm gonna say it after Jeff's done. Yeah, so I guess I didn't know how to do like the biggest fictional ouchie. I didn't know what biggest meant to me. Like the biggest moment is probably like the this is Sparta when it kicks him into the hole. Oh, okay. So like, <laughs> but most if momentous you're thinking just like. Another one would be Bone Tomahawk comes to mind where he oh, just gosh. splits the guy oh, in half. Man. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty. just a rough one to watch. <laughs> Quick death again, but rough. And then Hitler and Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah, just get shot scene. like a yeah. million times. <laughs> yeah, Mike, your thing just reminded me. Just while we're talking about just really messed up endings for characters and books, I think I had you read uh, the Stephen King short story, The Jaunt. Oh, yeah, the kid. Which, spoiler alert, it's about, like, this, these machines that can, like, what's it called when you bounce from one spot to another? Um, Teleport? Teleporting. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. These teleporting machines that are are made, but, like, they don't really understand that when you teleport, you go into, like, an alternate dimension, so you have to be sedated as you're teleporting. And this kid decides not to take the sedative, And when he teleports, he gets, like, put in this blank nothingness for billions of years. And then he finally, and then he jumps back. And so for the family, it's, like, a teleport of, like, a second. But then when he wakes up, his eyes are all, like, clouded. And he's been existing in, like, a white space for a billion years. And he immediately claws his own eyes out. And it just haunts me thinking about that. So... That's my that's my new answer. Oh, I'll Probably change the best mine. Thing Stephen King ever did. I think it's his best work, personally. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hot take. Okay, I'll change mine too. I'm gonna do Casino Royale, where he's like on the chair, the balls. And the guys. Oh, yeah, that's another hard. Scene. <laughs> if you've ever yeah. got hit in the nuts, you you know. Ah, he was laughing. It didn't look that bad. A little bit of lift. 
Samcat821. Would Mike attend the Kentucky Derby if someone got him a ticket? Would you want to see a horse race? No, I don't think so. It seems like a a long wait in kind of some sweltering heat all to see. What, how long is it? Like two minutes? Not even? How long do they run? I forget. Big hats are cool, though. I'm a big fan of those big hats that everyone wears. Drinking mint julep. Yeah. Uh, John Conboy wants to know favorite pop culture weapon. Narsil, the, the blade that had to be reforged for Aragorn. Ooh, cool. Aragorn. Oh, I said Aragorn. No, it's Aragorn. It is. See, now yeah. Jeff's in my mind. Uh-oh. Aragorn all mixed <laughs> up. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I like when they pour just like a pot of oil on people trying to knock the door down. <laughs> so he's just like, that's so mean. Why? Yeah. Like, that's that's so mean. Stop doing that. Just shoot you know, him with arrows. It's hurts. so satisfying for the dude that poured it, too. And then they like, always yes. light it on fire. Yeah, yeah, that is a good. But pick. then, like cool. one or two of their guys always gets it on them too. Yeah, their arm is like on fire as they run <laughs> like off. Like the door they're trying to protect catches on fire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mine is the Buster Sword. Cloud inherits it from Zack. Final Fantasy VII. I don't really need to go into that too much more. If you know, you know, kind of thing. Okay. Not surprised. Big old fat sword. Yeah, uh, sick. Libby MCA wants to know cage match baby animal version. Would the outcome still be the same? If they're like mm. baby versions. Probably I mean, not. kangaroo and koala aren't doing very good. No, they're no, jelly beans. That's true. Or polar bears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not polar bears? Because they're totally altricial. Like they're completely dependent on mom for their survival. So there are some animals that are born like able to survive on their own. And then there's others that are born like completely dependent on their moms. Like humans are altricial. Like a newborn human baby can't survive on its own, but like, like a, a baby crocodile can't. Giraffe. Yeah. Giraffe still need Giraffes to Giraffes are all running everything. around after like eight seconds. <laughs> They're mobile, but they still depend on mom. But like an animal, like a crocodile or an alligator or something, it's on its own. From the second it's born, it doesn't get any help. And so... Alligators sometimes do, I guess. But anyway, that my money would be on one of those kind of animals, an animal where the young has to immediately survive on its own. Hmm. Yeah. Like a sea turtle. Uh, I went, yeah, sea turtles, sure. <laughs> but I would probably say like a saltwater crocodile baby or a baby rattlesnake. Um, yeah. All right. From Aaron's 393 and also Joel's, they both want to know how... I did in my fantasy football leagues that I did with a bunch of listeners. I won one. One of them going into the last game, that guy on Buffalo died for a couple of minutes and had to oh, be yeah. brought back to life and the game uh. was canceled. <laughs> so it made it really complicated because I had a lot of players in that game. So we just split it. And then the other leagues... Other people won, and I haven't paid anyone money except for like two people because I'm a terrible commissioner. And I actually tried to pay people, and it took me a while to find this guy's Venmo. And then when, or like calculate his winnings. And when I asked for his Venmo, he was like, oh, I'll do it later, and never did it. And I just <laughs> gave up on everyone. So if I owe you money, please reach out. I'm, and like, Whoever wants to play next year, I'll do a better yeah. job of like it's having great, chats and paying out and remember everything. But is that I'm gonna league? Pay, I'm going to pay everyone today. I'm sorry, it took way too long. 
Is that league that you won the one that you were the only one in and you just had like eight different teams? <laughs> that was last year and oh, I lost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, um, what is your single favorite non-tooth and claw podcast? I just re-listened to a rewatchables episode about the movie Hard to Kill with... Um, no, what's his name? Steven, Steven Seagal. Seagal. Oh, yeah. Which, like, they do a great job of making fun of him as a person. And, yeah. Mike, you listened to that episode, oh, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Amazing. Like, the way they talk about how he runs, and then if you watch <laughs> him run in the movie, it's just like no one said anything to him. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'll listen to it. I need to. My probably, you know, so I want to do a quick shout out for one I'm currently listening to. It's called Blowback. And it's all about kind of the history of U.S. intervention across the world. The first season's all about the Iraq war and just kind of how we like, we were totally responsible for the conditions that led to the Iraq war, like the sanctions that we imposed on the people over there, all the things that we did to create the problems in the first place. So it's really interesting. It's just like a fascinating listen. Um, Hmm. It might radicalize you a bit. So just be prepared for that. Uh, Do you think you learned more or less from yours than mine? uh, Than the rewatchables? Hard to kill. Uh, I probably learned more. But (laughs) my all-time favorite is this podcast called In the Dark. I've shouted it out before on the podcast. But seasons one and two of In the Dark were life-changing for me. They're both true crime stories but they talk about injustices that happen because of true crime and or because of like police and some other things and i just think they're really fascinating stories so that's that's my shout out in the dark i've been really into one recently called the hardcore lit and this guy named ben mcavoy just talks about classic literature it's just like a really serene way to wind the night down i usually go out on a walk and just throw an episode of that on but I think I can confidently say at this point, my favorite podcast is 60 songs that explain the nineties. Cause that's, that's like, one. that's my era of music. Really? That, that's just the era of music that I identify with and like the most. And Rob Harvilla, the guy that runs it is just, he's so funny and so self-effacing and like, so uh, what's the word? Um, good at what know. he does, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good. That's yeah, the word so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, lo- I really, really have been loving it a whole lot. Cool. Let's try to do two more here. Okay. C Baby Three is asking: You get a text that Jeff was arrested. What charge do you assume he caught? Oh, uh, indecent exposure. Indec- I was going to say the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> Your exposure. pants, you, you, the Larson yeah. butt is pretty insubstantial, so the pants slip down a lot. So you'll get a lot of to that. You'll get a lot of butt. I got some butt. A little bit. Really more than Wes yeah, does, for sure. More than me, for sure. Yep. And then Strawberry Shortcake419 wants to know, what's everyone's death row meal? One of my favorite questions to ask people. Yeah. I'll I'll start us off. Okay. So I'm going, I'm getting a lot. I'm stuffing myself. I'm getting a big steak with barbecue sauce. Maybe like a fillet mignon. Filet mignon. And then um, I want my dad there to cook me some spaghetti with garlic bread. And then I want a pina colada and a caramel cheesecake. 
cool. I, you know, I, <laughs> when I was in Bangalore really working on that sloth bear project, I got this Molly Kofta from this local restaurant there that was like the best Indian food I've ever had and maybe some of the best food I've ever had. So I want that Molly Kofta and then I want a mango that I had in Taiwan, which I think is probably the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And then for dessert, probably these Christmas cookies that my mom makes, like the Hershey Kiss ones on the peanut butter cookies. She just makes them just right. It's probably my favorite treat. Or Oreos and milk. And then for a drink, just like a really nice mojito would be great to go with it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. Mine is Rice Krispie Treat cereal. You guys ever had the Rice Krispie Treat cereal? No. Oh, it's my favorite thing ever. And it's impossible to find. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. So I'd request that they rustle up a box of that from somewhere. Your taste buds have changed so much in a decade that you're like, this isn't as good as I remember. (laughs) Oh, it's got to be, though. Um, And a glass of chocolate milk. How about that? All right. So milk in your cereal and a glass of chocolate milk and yep. some rice crispy. heavy. Yeah. You're simple, simple, a man of simple pleasures. Okay. With like a world-class chef making it. Exactly. The perfect <laughs> cereal to milk ratio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you think it's, it's like good to give someone like the best meal ever right before they die? Or is it kind of yeah. like, you know, makes you want to live more? I think it's good. It's like mm, one last little know. thing to look forward to. You That's think, true. You look forward to it. Yeah. So, but like the inverse of that logic, if it's something so terrible, they're just like, you know, I'm not going to miss this place all that much. That's true. If it's like or a just like, don't give them food for four days and they're like, I'm so hungry, I just want to die. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I think if you I were to think pull that's most death row <laughs> prisoners, they're going to say they want a really good meal before they die. All right. Well, thanks for all the questions, everyone. Thanks for sending us news stories. Uh, We'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. And as always, if you want more content, uh, we've got our Patreon. We've got our Apple Grizz Club. Mike just did a Grey Whale episode that was really interesting and fun. Well, it kind of had a not fun story. We're on a real streak of not fun stories. And then what what was our subscriber episode before that? Jeff, what did you do before that? Tyke. Ooh, Tyke the Elephant. Yeah, yeah. another good one. Really fun. Yeah, Yeah. super fun. Circuses involved. How could it not be? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, feel free to sign up for the extra content. We promise that you're going to enjoy it. I'm not promising that. I promise I'll stake my life on it. Stamping it. What? I promise if you don't enjoy it, you can just cancel. Yeah, that's true too. All right. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys later. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh. I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again.